0: From the liquid metal core of the T-1000, it's the IGN guys. Now, here are two men who refused to travel back to the past to save humanity because they didn't want to show their naked bums, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser.
1: Our naked bums. Corey, that's a mouthful. Who sent us in that mouthful? That mouthful was brought to you by Lenny Timmons. Lenny Timmons sent us that. You know, um, speaking of naked bums, I I once saw a, uh, a naked bum on Sunset Boulevard.
2: Not somebody's naked behind.
1: No, no, but an actual naked bum.
2: You mean like a homeless man who was yeah.
1: naked? Yeah, but put that up. You're, you're, you're not speaking. Oh, into... hello there. Yeah. Tilt the, really...
2: that, that microphone. Give, you, give me a little Hang better angle don't, don't
1: stop the recording. I'm not stopping it. Okay. There you go. Hey, how about that? That's bad.
2: All right. We've only been doing this for like eight years. <laughs> I think I would know that.
1: <laughs> no, actually, it wasn't so much a naked bum. It was, actually, I think it was a woman, even. I a uh, naked,
2: homeless woman.
1: Well, not naked. It was it was at the intersection of, of La Brea. I actually wrote a column about it. I was writing for Entertainment Today at the time, and I wrote a column about it. Uh which I still have a copy of even though the publication doesn't exist anymore. But it was she, she basically uh dropped her drawers um at the intersection of La Brea and sunset and um relieved herself with a number two right on a tree in front of a bus bench. Yeah, that's a, great way to... yeah, that's a beautiful thing.
2: By the way, can I say something? Yeah, go ahead. Now I'm trying to go I'm trying to uh, uh I'm trying to set a new record yes. for number of online dates. Okay. You just turned me up, didn't you?
1: I did. Yeah. Darn it.
2: Uh, I'm trying to set an, a record for number of online dates in one week. Okay. I was going for four. Yes. But I think I'll only get three. Wow. I was going for four. Okay. But you know it's funny? Just one... Okay. The thing with online dating... You're a
1: slut, aren't you?
2: I, I wish. <laughs> It'd be great. <laughs> it's like... The problem is that it's like one date now out, and that's yeah, it. Yeah. So, I... Uh, Set up a date with this girl, Mm -hmm. and I confirm on text. You talked him on the phone, sure. You know, you
1: confirmed that she was a girl, yes. Yeah,
2: and so I confirm it the night before on text. I go, hey, still ready to meet? uh, You know, tomorrow at seven thirty. See you there, right? Now I've never met this girl. It's blind date, right? It's online, sure. She texts me back. She says, "Any chance you can pick me up so people don't figure out that we've never met before?" Any chance you can pick me up so people don't figure out that we've never met before? Right. So I look at that, I'm thinking, so what?
1: Well, there's an embarrassment factor.
2: I said, I said, uh, well, first I texted back, and I'm reading this right off my phone. Yeah. I said, I don't, un- I had a feeling that's what it meant, so I was being mm-hmm. a little passive aggressive when I said this. Sure. But I texted back, I don't understand what quote unquote people are you referring to when she says, so people don't figure out we've never met before. And then she texts back people in the restaurant. So I text her back. So you're embarrassed to show your, your, so you're embarrassed to show up to a restaurant by yourself for a blind date. And she says, yes. All right. And then I texted her back. So is that worse than giving a stranger your home address to pick you up. <laughs> so somehow she doesn't. She's too embarrassed to show up alone yeah. to a restaurant. She trusts you to a restaurant for a blind date. Too, but yet she <sighs> will give that very same stranger her home address to pick her up. Yes, I, that didn't make sense to I me. I know. But at this point, I was getting a, a, a little pissed off. So I said, uh, 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 "So is that worse than giving a stranger your home address to pick you up?" And she said uh, good point So I wound up meeting her at the restaurant Yeah I just have to say that Okay Oh by the way tonight Yes Okay now this was uh, uh, number two Now I, I have a third one I have a third we, one We tomorrow. are going to talk
1: about movies I just want to assure everyone uh, we'll, we'll get to probably it Probably
2: not um, I have a third one tomorrow Yes Right that one seems okay Tonight's girl So smoking hot Yeah That I'm waiting for the cameras I'm waiting for the reality show cameras Sure I'm waiting for her to say, the reason why I'm laughing at all of your jokes is because I am lonely because I have full-blown AIDS. <laughs> I'm waiting for something like that because I'm looking around thinking this is this is a practical joke. This girl, who's a little older, mm-hmm. but she is so unbelievably hot, mm-hmm. so well put together. You you know, you know the Blonde with a straightened hair sure. And very thin And a gorgeous face That uh, I'm thinking to myself A, why are you dating online? Makes no sense Why you, you can get anybody anywhere at any time mm-hmm. Why are you dating online? And even more perplexing Why are you going out with me? And Why gonna, are you laughing at my jokes? And we're going to take callers and now way, Caller one And by the way And, and then we'll move on <laughs> And by the way this, this date just happened like an hour ago Oh my So uh, Walking her, to her car, sure, and it's a first date. Yeah. so I'd you know I'd say goodbye by giving her a hug. So we're about to say goodbye, and I'm gonna give her a kiss on the cheek. That's fine. You know, first date went well. Kiss on the cheek. It's a very innocent. It's totally fine. And I can tell she's starting to go for the lips. Uh huh. Like she wants a kiss on the lips of the first date. But I was so it just confused me so much that a girl this hot. Would even want to know my name and not throw a drink at me that I somehow was too surprised that she would go for the lips mm-hmm. that I wound up veering to the left
1: oh, one of those into awkward some moments. sort
2: of a lippy cheek thing oh that's great it's not great oh, that's
1: great it's, it's like just, it's like an awkward moment it was a lippy, it, yes. it, it was like it, it was like a kind of half <laughs> It, it was, was one a, of those yeah. It was a lippy cheek thing It was a
0: diminutive. Diminu.
2: Because I was ready For the cheek Fine first date Went well That's cool It's all good
1: did, 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 Was there like Kind of a half pat Half uh, hug A uh, little bit no, distant, the, to, like not? No the, you, hug
2: cool. was, okay, the, the, the hug was cool The hug was cool But it was oh, the fact crazy. That she was literally Coming towards me With her lips And the fact oh, is That she's brilliant. so freaking hot That I couldn't wrap My head around that's the idea that, of, that she'd want to Kiss me after an stuff, hour
1: You can't even stage That on a sitcom That
2: I just went For the cheek And it became A lippy cheek, uh, lippy, uh, cheek thing and then uh, now we're done. That's brilliant. And then, and, you know, and then I came here. And there now we we're go. recording.
1: Well, we, we got a lot to do. We got a lot of titles to cover. We got some uh, VoxBox action this week. Yes, we do. And uh, I want to start off with just a few things. Um, Mark, you're going to tell people about the swag that we got this week. Here, nice little white box.
2: Ooh, tell I, people about, tell people tell about that swag. Ooh, is this food? Is this food?
1: Tell, tell, tell people. Mark is opening the white box. I, I don't know what this is. He's, he doesn't know what it is. I don't. He's opening the white box. He's pulling out the materials. There's a piece of paper, a folded piece of paper. What does it say? What is uh, it, Mark?
2: Looks like a pen operating instructions to record. Yes. Looks like a... This is what it says. Yes. Looks like a pen operating instructions to record. <laughs> this is obviously Japanese or possibly Chinese. It's
1: Chinese. <laughs>
2: What is this? Is, wait, is, is this a pen that records uh, audio? Why is that funny? That's funny. Oh my God! It is from. Um, ooh, a, a, it's from Ghost Protocol.
1: It's a Ghost Protocol piece of swag.
2: So what does it do?
1: It's a. It, it, somehow it's a pen that that you plug into your computer. I really don't know what it's supposed to do. Does it's it? got a USB cable. It's a pen that comes with a USB cable, and the instructions to record are looks like the pen operating.
2: Yeah, but the problem is that is that how do you activate the how do you turn how do you you, where's the pen the
1: the instructions I don't know I don't even know if it functions the instructions are priceless no No, I'm just going to give you step one of the instructions in closes down and under the readiness for action presses the button short according to the paper's switch enters the corresponding condition photographs pattern or video recording pattern so I think it's a camera. (laughs) <laughs> well, I don't know what Now here's the thing I don't know what this is This It, it, ju- a, it just looks like a fountain pen I think but it's a camera Can I, I think Can it's I a potentially camera. Can I potentially break this In I don't photographs really know. Under the pattern The blue lamp is bright Presses the button short Carries on the photograph The yellow light Dodges one time Long according to the button Closed down This time Allocates move Set clock For the pattern selection switch The video recording pattern Carries on the video recording Immediately I don't know what any of this means. This is like somebody used Google Translate on a on a computer that that clearly was not prepared for what they were putting into it.
2: Well, I've now plugged this into my computer. <laughs> I really? Have.
1: Oh, I don't think the people at Paramount even checked with any of this stuff before they sent it out. It just cracks me up. Somebody ordered something sight unseen and thought that would be cool. Yeah, you know uh, what? The, the, these instructions are the funniest things I've ever written. It's brilliant.
2: Uh, you... The funniest thing I've
1: ever read. Sorry.
2: I have a yeah. uh uh, plug this into my computer but uh, nothing seems to be happening but uh, and also what the funny thing is that the pen doesn't seem to work it doesn't seem to be who an knows? actual pen
1: yeah, you'll figure it out over the course of the show
2: well you I'm know sure. what you, you talk about whatever crap uh, you're about a few
1: other things real quick uh, before we get into the movies uh, some very interesting news in uh, DVD acquisitions by the way if you didn't hear about it Gaim who basically does a lot of things like uh, well they really, they distribute a lot of other companies they distribute a lot of stuff from uh, uh, like the Learning Channel and various other companies uh um, you know, Animal Planet, that kind of junk. But they also do exercise videos. They were—they uh, recently acquired Vivendi Entertainment, uh, Whole Cloth, which is a huge acquisition. Uh, and then RLJ, which is the, the you know Black Entertainment Television empire, uh, they went out and acquired Image Entertainment and Acorn, which is gargantuan. Because if wait, you remember who,
2: wait, who, who, who bought Acorn?
1: BET, the BET guy, the billionaire. Oh, uh, uh, Johnson. Uh, yeah, that guy, RLJ. Robert Johnson. Robert uh, Johnson. Whatever his name is. Yeah, he went and acquired Image and Acorn, which is monstrous. I mean, that is just an enormous thing to do. So he's, he's obviously looking at bulking up his empire. So, uh, and Image was, you know, people have tried to buy Image a number of times over the years, and they always resisted. it. So uh, I think that's a very interesting development. It's things are changing every day. also want to do a shout-out to, uh, on the book front, my, uh, my dear old Professor Howard Suber who was one of the very first pioneers of audio commentaries back in the early days of Criterion Laserdiscs. Howard Suber did a number of their very, very best commentaries. Um, Howard has his second book out, and it is terrific. It is called Letters to Young Filmmakers, uh, Creativity and Getting Your Films Made. And uh, over the years, Howard has saved um, a lot of the letters, if not most or all of the letters that he has received and, uh, and the, letters that he, the replies that he has sent back uh, with questions dealing with all kinds of issues and how you get jobs in the business and how do you deal with this problem and that problem. And he's put them into this, the, some of the best ones into this book. And it is really, really good stuff. It is not snarky. It is, you know, Super is a very smart, witty guy. And he has a way of making uh, things that might otherwise be dry and very inside baseball feel uh, incredibly accessible and, and really uh, quite sharp. So uh, I re- highly recommend this to anybody who's interested in the business, who wants. Uh, a light shone on the, the, the kind of some of the seamier aspects of the business, the more difficult parts of the business, uh, just as a quick sample. I want to read a good one here. Um,
2: By the way, I gave up on this pen.
1: Yeah, it's it's ridiculous.
2: Although, according to the instructions, uh, when is recording, if this time electric quantity is insufficient, the machine will preserve the video recording content first. To, hey, you know what? That, actually, that almost made sense. <laughs>
1: we're 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 running out of time here. Hurry it up, Kaiser. It's not going to work. Quick quick thing here. This is on conflict, Howard. If everybody knows that film is a collaborative business, why is there so much conflict? And he writes back and of course the names are all changed. Dear Julie, imagine that Superman, Batman and Spider-Man are brought together in the same room and are told that the uh, the city they they are in is under attack from some really bad guys. What would their reactions be? Superman, here, let me do it. Batman, no, let me do it. Spider-Man, that's not the way to do it, you incompetent boobs. Here's how it should be done. When you gather a bunch of heroes together, you're guaranteed to have conflict because each one knows he's a hero and expects to take the lead. Artists are heroes of a different kind. Just ask them. And the bigger the artist, the bigger the ego, and the more difficulty they have genuinely collaborating. And, of course, the le- that letter goes on much longer. But it's that kind of stuff. You know, Super is uh, he's a prince. He's a great professor. And a very, very smart media analyst. He knows this business inside out and upside down. And um, I could not recommend a book more highly. I really couldn't. So that is Howard Suber's Letters to Young Filmmakers, Creativity and Getting Your Films Made. It's from Michael Weesey Productions. Uh, they do a lot of film-related stuff. And uh, you should be able to find that just about anywhere, especially on Amazon. So go for it. All right, Mark. Uh, let's, uh, let's get some – I want to get some animated stuff out of the way. We've had this piling up for a number of weeks. I'm going to blow through this real quickly, uh, as quickly as I possibly can. Blu-ray DVD combo, Justice League Doom. This is one of those DC Universe animated original movies. Uh, You know what? It's actually really well written, the animation. I'm a little tired of. I wish they'd put a little more work into the animation. Uh, I'd even be willing to settle for a little bit less work on the the script, even though the script is good. But um, sometimes this stuff feels like it just should be... I don't know, sharper. But anyway, a lot of cool extras on here. Uh, Blu-ray exclusives, uh, you know, mostly featurette stuff. And uh, if you're a DC fan, you'll absolutely love it. Uh, also, Beavis and Butthead are back, in case you haven't heard. And uh, we have the uh, Volume 4 Blu-ray. And i got to admit, it's just as funny as it always was. I am so grateful to Mike Judge for, uh, for doing this. And uh, even though I don't particularly like all the music commentary, which I realize is sort of the whole point of it, um the uh, the fact that they're back now in kind of a post internet or a a mid internet phase gives them all kinds of uh opportunities to really just uh, unleash that satirical stupidity that we love so much uh so that's uh, that's really cool uh if you are also a fan of Wallace and Gromit as I am we have the complete six part series Wallace and Gromit's world of invention and uh, this is terrific i didn't even know that this existed this is um and there's a lot of live-action stuff here, actually. This is uh, a, a really kind of a, f- a cool series. It's it's not, like, stupid or anything. This isn't, like, for kids. This is for adults. And uh, this is really, really very cool. It just... It, it It's all about the cool inventions that are out there. I mean, it, you're going to kind of be blown away by some of this stuff. It's almost like this deserved to be on A&E or something. So, um, really, very cool. Uh Check it out. Not enough time to get into it in depth, but uh, highly recommended. Uh, I love Minnie. This is from Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. This is just a DVD. It's, uh, you know, this stuff is all CGI animated, and I think it's a disgrace to, to a proud Disney tradition. It doesn't even warrant uh, discussion. Tom and Jerry in the doghouse. Um, you know what? It's not the best Tom and Jerry stuff, but I guess, you know, if... It, it, if you if you just don't really care about being a completist and you don't really care when the cartoons were made and you just want to put the kids in front of the TV have them watch something you'll love it uh Homeward Pound Pound Puppies this was originally seen on a, a channel that I've never even heard of called Hub you ever heard of Hub
2: What the hell's Hub Uh I have heard of Hub What is Hub It's a TV channel I
1: don't know what this is I mean it's cool animation it's not very sophisticated but it's kind of you know it's cute and but seriously, I, I've never heard of Hub. I, I I'm, was totally blindsided by that.
2: Well, it's a, is uh, it? It's a digital satellite. It's a, it's a digital tiered. It's it's a it's a Discovery Channel.
1: It, it's it's channel seven thousand nine hundred and twenty-seven. That's very it well does. it could be. Yeah, it probably is. But
2: you know, it's it, it's obviously for kids.
1: Well, I don't have Discovery. I don't have uh, what is it? Is it what Would you say what network is it on? Or, or it, it's well, a satellite it's, thing. Satellite it's, thing.
2: It's it's digital tiered and, dur- and, and direct on satellite.
1: TV? It's DirecTV. Sure. Yeah, I'm a Fios person. Screw them.
2: It's, it's owned by Discovery.
1: All right. Well, this, this is a, apparently this is a, from Hasbro via Shout Factory uh, or Shout Kids, which is their kids line. So anyway, cute dogs. Nicely animated. Uh, one of my uh, all-time favorite cartoons when I was a kid is finally out in the complete collection, Tennessee Tuxedo and his tails. He will not fail. Oh, Tennessee Tuxedo was the best. And uh, it's really rudimentary animation if you look at it now. But uh, look... You remember who the voice of Tennessee Tuxedo was? Of
2: course, it was Don Adams. That's
1: right. Don Adams. Can't go wrong. Don Adams rules. And uh, this was another one, Another, you know, it was like this was for, for Don Adams what Mr. Magoo was for uh, Jim Backus. For Jim Backus. You know, they were known as Thurston Howell and Maxwell Smart, but they had their cartoon voices as well and uh, this is great Chumley is the walrus that hangs out with Tennessee Tuxedo so there's a whole Antarctica uh, environmental uh, subtext to this it's a global warming thing before there was global warming you see great uh, Tennessee Tuxedo featurette on here there's commentaries with some of the voice actors a lot of fun and uh, you would be you'll be amazed at how many of these voices you actually recognize there are really 70 cartoons total in this uh, box set great from Shot Factory as well and a lot of famous voices that you're going to recognize a lot of sitcom classic sitcom people um, let's blow through some of these real quickly. uh Centurion's the original miniseries. This is a uh, Warner Brothers thing. This is kind of one of those filmation deals uh, semi in semi kind of a spin off from uh, some anime ideas. um it, not so great in hindsight, I got to admit uh y- you really feel like it's an American attempt to do one of those kind of futuristic spacey. Uh, human robot cyborg fusion things that anime does so incredibly well and uh, confusingly and it uh, doesn't really work quite so well but uh, as a nostalgia piece it's not bad for those who remember it um, we also have the uh, animated series season 1 part two of mad this is from Cartoon Network uh, the uh, spin-off of the uh, mad comic book and um, 13 episodes it's fine uh, you know it's uh, I don't think it's as funny as they think it is but it's it certainly has a following uh pbs kids arthur's travel adventures eight more adventures uh in this show that i just find almost uh incredibly it's almost paralyzingly dumb i think but some of that stuff you know the pbs animated stuff really i think kind of at a certain point some of it really dumb is dumbed down for kids and I wish they wouldn't do that. I've uh, got three Nickelodeon titles here. Danny Phantom, Season 2, Part 1. Rocco's Modern Life, Season 2. And The Angry Beavers, Season 3, Part 1. All of this is very, very disturbed, twisted stuff. Now, Danny Phantom is a little bit more anime, a little bit more accessible, a little bit more kind of in the Disney vein. But uh, it's, it's all really kind of extreme. It all has that kind of Ren and Stimpy influence that uh, I... Think is good if it's done right if it's crickfalusi if it's not it feels just a tad derivative Uh, peep in the big wide world if you're a fan of that public television series that's also one that I think is a little bit too dumbed down for kids but they got a couple new titles finders keepers and uh, bringing spring Um, frankly I I know kids with coloring books who, who do better animation but that's just me you okay mark you hanging in there
2: I'm fine I am I'm all good
1: I'm, I'm getting through it I swear I'm getting through it uh, Looney Tunes show uh, season 1 volume three this is also Cartoon Network uh, you know what I, I, I keep trying to cut this show a lot of slack I, because I'm such an original purist I know that these aren't the original voices and you can tell it's not the original it's not the same effort in the animation that you would expect from the early days of Looney Tunes It just feels too much like tiny Tunes and all of you know this this more recent. Faction of uh, of Warner Brothers Animation, but um, you know it keeps the it keeps the thing going better than I think that Clubhouse Mickey that mini thing that I talked about earlier. There's no CGI at least. From Mill Creek, we have the uh, Cookie Jar line, which is a lot of uh, animated television classics that you will recognize. Heathcliff, Season One, Volume One. That's right, Heathcliff, who uh, we actually like better than Garfield, was momentarily a, uh, an animated show. That's, uh, that's out again. Uh, Gadget Boys, Adventures in History, the complete series. That's one that really fell off of my radar, but that's out again as well. All 26 episodes uh, of this uh, spinoff series from Inspector Gadget. And uh, Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd century. Boy, I had totally forgotten about that one as well. That's a 26-episode series that uh, probably should have been buried. That's also from that kind of uh, filmation-y era, and uh, it, it ain't so hot. Um, it was an idea run aground. The uh, the cops stuff is, is still very popular. This is the Best of Cops, Volume 2, 10 episodes from that uh, very peculiar series that really looks like they just took some of the village people and turned them into superheroes. Um, Jace the uh, and the Wheeled Warriors. I uh, never watched this originally. This is a volume one, 32 episodes. This has been out in the complete series before. They're releasing the individual seasons now. Uh, this is also very, very anime-inspired. Uh, that's, it is what it is. Uh, where on Earth is Carmen Sandiego, the complete series, 40 episodes. That was a nice idea to take the uh, the game and try and turn it into a television series. I uh, I was a little too old at the time, but you can also get that out there right now. It looks pretty good, actually. It's not bad animation. And then Archie's Weird Mysteries, the complete series, 40 episodes. All of these are part of the cookie jar line from, uh, from Mill Creek. And... Uh, uh, this isn't exactly what I remember the Archies doing. Somehow they've uh, taken the Archies and fused them with, uh, kind of put them into a, uh, a, a Scooby Doo environment, and that is supposed to pass muster. Doesn't really work for me, but, you know. Who am I to judge? I just. I You're a critic, Wade. That's I what just, you do. Uh, I guess so. All right. So there it is. Uh, Mark, shall we uh, talk about some documentaries? We've got some great docs this week. Uh, we do. Really good docs. We
2: do. We have, uh, on Blu-ray, we have Truth or Dare. This is the uh, Madonna documentary from 1991. And it is all, it is a self-aggrandizing chronicle of Madonna's 1990 Blonde Ambition Tour. And I have to say that although this film uh, is a little flawed only because it is, uh, again, it is just such a, just a 90-minute just piece of self-love uh, there's still some good stuff in it. You st- you still do see behind the scenes of what it takes to put on a Madonna show every night, and not all. She's on tour of it, again. Not all of it is totally flattering, huh? She's she's, like, on,
1: she's on tour again. That that M D N A uh, show, which I'm going to try and get tickets to. You
2: are not. Are you I, really? I, I'm,
1: I'm married to a Madonna fan. What can I do? Oh my God. It's not my choice. Uh,
2: director Alex uh, Kashishian did nothing after this. Although he did co-write W.E., which uh, Madonna directed. Anyway, uh, the film has, you know what, the music is fine. I was never a big fan of Madonna's music, but uh, the music sounds good. The Blu-ray looks nice. It's a little, the movie's a little bit too old to look fully like high-def, beautiful Blu-ray. But if you like Madonna, go for it. I would uh, also highly recommend the next three that I'm going to talk about. One is called El Bully, Cooking in Progress. Yeah. Now, uh, there is a restaurant in uh, in, uh, Spain, which uh, is now closed, actually. Uh, for good It is called El Buli. What this guy does is The, uh, the cook The uh, chef He closes for six months Each year He's only open for six months And he's closed for six months Now in the six months that he's closed He doesn't go off and ski He spends six months uh-huh. Creating the menu For the six months that he's open See that's so awesome That's and so awesome The uh, I love that Because it's food is art this guy It really is Food is art It is very innovative And, ve- and it, this guy gets down To like the chemical Molecular level In terms of what he serves It's like so literally it's cool. He will serve like A bubble Oh yeah And the bubble Will be flavored like Whatever lime oh. But he has gone Into a laboratory a, a, An actual No S laboratory With chemicals And molecules And everything it's and, great and, 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 I love and, that Totally unique His approach to food And by the way Actually, wait. Do you know what? In what? my kitchen right now, Yes. I have this guy's cookbook.
1: You have a lime-flavored bubble?
2: If it's in the cookbook. Okay. I have his cookbook. Nice. Anyway, uh, the documentary El Bulli, Cooking in Progress, is all about how this guy creates Sweet. the uh, The menu that he serves six months out of the year. He's the man. And this is from Kino Lorber. It's really good stuff. It's not on Blu-ray. It's on DVD, unfortunately. But, it's um, fine. It's, it's, it's
1: cooking. You just follow the instructions. You it is considered,
2: uh, El Bulli, the, this guy's restaurant, is considered the best restaurant in the world. Let
1: me tell you why I think it's, it's fine that these cooking uh, titles wind up on DVD instead of Blu-ray, uh, because more often than not, if you want that stuff in the kitchen while you're cooking, most people don't exactly have Blu-ray players in the kitchen, but you can put your laptop in the kitchen. The laptop probably doesn't have a Blu-ray player. You can put that in your laptop. You can watch it. It can instruct you. You follow the instructions. I'm fine with that being on DVD, not on Blu-ray.
2: Well, Wade, uh, you're stupid. Okay. Thank you. Um, Runner Herzog, as you oh, know, yes. has, a, uh, has sort of a dual career. Uh, one is as a narrative filmmaker, of course, and the other is as a documentarian. And his documentaries are just terrific, even even if you can't quite get beyond his narration, like in Grizzly Man. Uh, it's still a he's still a terrific documentarian. And mm-hmm. Into the Abyss is just a great exploration of this triple homicide in Texas. And You talk to death row inmates, and you talk to, you know, the the families of the victims and the guys who did the crime, and you really get a sense of Mm. how these lives were destroyed, and the way Herzog presents the material, it's uh, very no-nonsense, not done with any flash, he is not trying to manipulate your emotions, he is simply telling you what it is, and that makes the film very profound, Mm it is called Into the Abyss it is on Blu-ray and it is very good um, I highly recommend that also I highly recommend Corman's World now uh, oh Roger, yeah now Roger Corman of course is one of the great uh, producers directors be- I love this doc it's a terrific documentary mm-hmm. and uh, you know Roger Corman he launched so many careers it is unbelievable what well, what well, yeah, yeah, yeah. James Cameron worked no, on uh, Corman. Uh, look, John Sayles did a lot of writing for Corman. Uh,
1: well, Jack Nicholson, for crying out loud. I Jack mean, Nicholson. Jack Nicholson shows up a lot in this documentary. And what's beautiful here is that at one point, um, it, it, talking about his gratitude to Roger Corman, Jack Nicholson actually breaks down. They're interviewing him in his house. He's got the cigarette going. And he, most of the film, he's, he's quite the raconteur. He's loving it. He's got his belly sticking out. And he's waving his hands. And he's telling these great stories and um, at one point he's, he breaks down, he starts crying, and he puts his hand over his eyes because he, he doesn't want to be that vulnerable when he's really emoting, when he's not acting. If he were acting, he would have let it all hang out, but here's a moment where Jack Nicholson just wants a little bit of privacy, and he covers his eyes while he cries. It's, so, it's so revealing, it's so beautiful. Here's the other great thing about this. Um, there, I, I, there's at least one shot, Ray claims that there are two, but there, there's at least one shot in here from our documentary, Schlock. They actually licensed some footage from, uh, from Ray's in my documentary.
2: They licensed it. They did. Oh, they did.
1: They did. They They're licensed the, it. On the yeah. on the up and up. I mean, the only shot that I caught in there, it was funny because I remember Ray saying, like, yeah, some of our stuff's going to show up in, uh, in this Corman documentary. I was like, oh, it's great. Cool. Not that I'm going to see a dime out of it. But uh, <laughs> and I'm watching it and I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And, like, near the end, there's a shot of, uh, of when we interviewed Corman we shot some B-roll of him getting made up on one of his own sound stages they just used the B-roll it's like a literally a two second shot of him sitting in a director's chair getting makeup it's hysterical that
2: shot makes the film yes it does uh, anyway um, William Shatner Ron Howard uh, De Niro Scorsese Jack Nicholson as uh, Wade says all interviewed on this thing and yeah. it's just terrific really terrific stuff Corman's World it's terrific uh, next the next three the last three I have to talk about are all on uh, DVD not Blu-ray uh, Teen Agogo Yeah. Now Teen Agogo is all about a uh, I just like the title. Huh?
1: I just like the title. It makes me want to dance.
2: Yeah, it's funny when you when you watch something like like, like Teen Agogo which takes which is all about this um, this uh, Beatles show uh, this uh, Ed Sullivan show from 1964 um, and also, you know, how like once the Beatles appeared on the Ed Sullivan show uh, everything changed and teens had new things to listen to and teenage girls had new guys had new new boys to crush over and it was an amazing time and what you don't realize especially in, 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 in today where there's a thousand different cable channels and there's iPads and iPhones and there's Facebook and there's texting and everything when you're watching, if it's 1964 and you're watching the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show that's just a typical Ed Sullivan show. 73 million people watch that episode. Mm-hmm. You know, Except you know, there really is nothing nowadays that no. gets that many. The no. Super Bowl maybe. The Oscars not really. The finale of uh, whatever, American Idol I guess. So what I liked about Tina Gogo is that it really sort of sets the stage for what rock and roll not only would become but – how these rock and roll fans were sort of activated by watching things like the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show. And uh, it's great stuff. Tina Gogo is really good, it's very nostalgic, and there's a lot of great music. I, I mean, like there's, there, there's not like, you know, they. I guess they couldn't afford or couldn't license like the super, super great music of that era. But still, there's a lot of good music in it, and uh, it's a great piece of history. Tina Gogo, I really love No Subtitles Necessary. This is a terrific doc. This is really good. It's called No Subtitles Necessary, Laszlo and Vilmos, Two Heroes on the Road. And, of course, it's called No Subtitles Necessary because Vilmos Zygmunt and Laszlo Kovacs, two of the great cinematographers of all time, uh, they have very heavy accents. So it's a bit of a wink-wink, nudge-nudge. And uh, a lot of great... Interviews on this as well as as Laszlo and Vilmos, uh, you know, hit the road and tell you all about how they made it in Hollywood. Karen Black is in this. Peter Bogdanovich and Richard by, Donner, Peter Fonda.
1: And by the way, this dovetails with the Corman doc in kind of an interesting way, by way of our our film Schlock, because Laszlo came over here and was DP on a lot of uh, early exploitation films, nudie cuties, and a lot of stuff like some of Herschel Gordon Lewis's early exploitation stuff before he turned to gore. Laszlo Kovacs was a cinematographer on so, you know these uh, all of these the Peter Bogdanovich of course is part of the Corman and this one as well all of these things it's the it's the underbelly of cinematic history we love it.
2: Uh, speaking of history, the history of Fishbone is chronicled in Everyday Sunshine. Now the fact that this was narr- uh, narrated by Lawrence Fishburne, and the band is Fishbone, don't know if that's like an inside joke, or whether Lawrence Fishburne is a huge fan of the band. But anyway,
0: yeah.
2: uh, it's all about uh, it's all about Fishbone and how they, uh, you know, came from South Central and they played all the, and it takes them all the way up to the punk clubs and obviously playing stages all over the world. And they've been around for a long time; these guys like twenty five years. So it's a great chronicle. There's a lot of great vintage footage in it. There's an audio commentary with the filmmakers and also by the band. There's lots of deleted scenes. There's lots of great music. So if you're a Fishbone fan, Everyday Sunshine should be. Absolute and total require viewing. Uh,
1: You may have heard that uh, we're the 100th anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic, which I think technically takes place tomorrow is the 100th anniversary. Uh, Anyway, we got a thing here. This is kind of a weird docudrama deal from uh, BFS called Waking the Titanic. And it's specifically about the connection of the Titanic to this Irish town. And uh, well, it was April, April fifteenth, right when the Titanic sank. Fifteenth, we're a few days away. Anyway, um, what was so the, What was it April. Well, this is wow. specifically this one Irish town where that had three villagers who survived the uh, the tragedy, and there are a ton of. The, I mean, like they, there's there's April almost fifteenth. April 15th, so there it is. Anyway, there's a, uh, a whole ton of people who uh, are descended from those people, and uh, this, ki- this basically focuses on them, and there's a lot of reenactment in here, but it's not James Cameron stuff. It's not, uh, it's not even really very good in reenactment, but the story is interesting, and uh, it's nice that they just decided we're not going to tell the story of the Titanic. We're going to focus on specifically this one town, these people, and their descendants, which is quite nice. Uh, we also have a terrific doc that is not perfect, but when it's great, it's really great. Charlotte Rampling, *The Look*: A Self-Portrait Through Others. This is from Kino Lorber. It is on DVD and on Blu-ray. I would recommend it on Blu-ray because uh, so many of the films that she was in that are shown here, the the representation is just better in Blu-ray. It really is, and uh, this is it, they really paid a lot of attention to making sure that the film clips look right um it's a little bit pretentious if you're familiar with charlotte rampling you know she she's made movies in english and in french she's lived in france a better part of her life now uh she's just one of those cool actresses from the 60s and 70s that's just still super cool even though she's uh, in her senior years but she's um she's become kind of an icon for a certain kind of uh, ice queen she's sort of like what uh what Lauren Bacall was, except she's, Lauren Bacall is a is, has-been, and her golden days of being an ice queen are long gone back in the 30s and 40s, but somehow Charlotte Rampling has kept it going in her whole career. The The one part of the film that's a little cheesy is when she talks about uh, Max Mon Amour, the Nagisa Oshima film, as being the best script that she ever read. Um, have you ever seen
2: Max Monamore? I have not.
1: Uh, it's a movie in which she's a woman who has an affair with a, a an ape, which is basically just a guy in an outfit. It's like a guy in an ape suit. I love it already. It's, 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 a, it's, it's a creepy movie. It's very 70s. It's very groovy. Uh, I, I don't highly recommend it, even though it's Nagisa Oshima. The Swell Season. If you um, are one of the many, many, many people who fell madly and hopelessly in love with the film Once... Uh, you will thoroughly. Me, I did. It's great, right? I love once. Well, this is a documentary that kind of goes along with that because this is you know the 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 two who are in the film, Glenn Hansard and Marquetta Inglova, uh, they actually became both uh, professionally and personally involved largely as a result of being cast in that film, and uh, this is about the um, the the two-year world tour that followed that. And uh, it's about really what happened to them during that time. And it's, uh, if you look at the two things together, you see how art imitates life, life imitates art. And I would really highly recommend this as uh, kind of a... It, sh- it almost should be a special feature on a special edition of Once, frankly. I don't know if that'll ever happen, but this is from Docurama Films. And uh, it's really good. And I, I you know, it's, uh, it's not just about these two people but it's about a particular lifestyle and the way that fame affects you and the way that celebrity affects you and the demands of that can kind of consume you. It's quite good. Uh, Chasing Madoff is on DVD and on Blu-ray as well. Uh, You really can get everything you need to get out of this either way. It's from MPI. It doesn't demand to be seen on Blu-ray, but it's nice that it is there. Um, This also contains a lot of reenactments that are a little bit cheating, but never mind... It doesn't matter in in the final analysis because this is based on uh, the book. And uh, I almost – I started to read the book and I got too angry and I couldn't even finish the book. The book goes into much more excruciating detail. Uh, This will just – it will make you so angry you'll want to strangle somebody. It is effectively the story – of the the securities analysts, specifically Harry Markopoulos, who's kind of a, a math whiz at one of these uh, securities firms, who first discovered that Madoff was ripping people off. And all this movie is about is how year after year after year after year, Madoff continues to rip people off, and Markopoulos is like a, a voice crying in the wilderness, trying to get people to realize what's going on. And in the end, Nobody listens to him. He couldn't get the New York Times to publish his story. He couldn't get the Wall Street Journal to publish the story. He couldn't even get the Securities and Exchange Commission to follow up on legitimate evidence. He had it all. He gave it to everybody. He'd proved it. And nobody paid attention because nobody would believe it. It was like the facts didn't matter. It couldn't be. Bernie Madoff wouldn't do that to anybody. It was just a total and complete failure at every level governmental, uh, news media, everything. It just, the whole system failed. It's so frustrating. And it never got fixed. And Markopoulos is very philosophical about it at the end. He's like, why are you giving me this award? I, I didn't actually save anybody. Nobody listened to me. And that's the name of the book. Nobody listened. So, but the documentary is Chasing Madoff, and it's just first rate if you really want to piss yourself off. And then last documentary today before we uh, do some Vox Box and then wrap up with some awesome movie titles. Being Elmo A Puppeteer's Journey I love this documentary Mark did you see Being Elmo totally oh my gosh
2: it's the Elmo-iest.
1: elmo Elmo it, it, El, people may not realize this but Elmo is a middle-aged black man it's you, the greatest story ever you just gave it away you know what? He is so awesome. I it, It's the greatest story ever. Uh, Kevin Clash is the voice of Elmo. He's a guy who grew up – he was an inner-city kid from Baltimore and uh, was a total outcast when he was a kid, made his own puppets. Everybody made fun of him. And uh, this is the story of how this determined, uh, ferociously ambitious uh, guy who always said he was going to be a puppeteer – how he wound up not just reinventing Elmo, because he didn't create Elmo. Elmo was a failed puppet. You know that. Elmo was a failed puppet. They couldn't figure it out. Henson's people could not get the right voice, they couldn't get the right persona. He walked in and he turned Elmo into the most popular Muppet of all time. Mm-hmm. And he is now executive producer of uh, Sesame Street, the job he always dreamed of having. I, it, it almost brings me to tears. It's so beautiful. And then, you know, his daughter's birthday party in the film. Ugh, mop me off the floor. This is such a beautiful movie. I cannot recommend it highly enough lame he's Elmo just kidding That when you see that voice come out of this like six foot four middle aged black man it is like it is a moment that is both weird and just somehow like the American dream crystallizing on screen
2: it's like it's like suddenly Tyler Perry does Elmo
1: it's just it's just well let's let's you know let's draw the line there
2: oh, let's do new movies wait come on Fox box. oh really we got Hey. <laughs> it's Voxbox!
0: Hello, DigiGods. This is George. I was listening to your podcast and was shocked, shocked to hear for a second time a mispronunciation. It was par for the course to hear Mr. Kaiser make the mistake a few months back, but when I heard Mr. Major also make the same error, I nearly dropped my snifter of saurian brandy and exclaimed, Oh, my! I simply could not let this stand. I was aghast when I heard reference to the HBO series as "Treme." Shatner might get away with saying sabotage instead of sabotage. He is Canadian, after all. But "Treme," Mein Gott. So, I want both of you to now repeat after me, in unison. Treme. Treme. No, no, not Trelane. That was the Squire of Gothos, you ninnies. Now that correction has been made, please continue on with the show, and remember, yesterday is history, tomorrow a mystery. Right now is a gift, which is why it is called the present. George out.
1: Yep, that's our fan George, Mark. You know, keeping I, us honest
2: I am I, I'm, I'm happy to be wrong anytime as long as it results in Voxbox submissions like that
1: yeah why not totally all over that alright Mark new movies no oh,
2: there's no, no, song for no, that. No, no, no song no song for that
1: no song for that no song for that at
2: all uh, oh my God.
1: Uh, you know what we talked about uh, some of these compilations these actress title compilations last week and there's another one this week and uh, this is Nicole Kidman for a film collection also from Lionsgate um, this one's not bad. I've got to tell you, all four of these are totally legit. There are no ringers here. Uh, if you remember, we explained this as saying that, well, now that Miramax is distributing a lot of their stuff through Lionsgate, Lionsgate is thinking, why don't we just uh, do a little mashup of everything from our library and their library and see if we can't get some extra traction. But you know what? <laughs> here are the films included in the four-film collection. Cold Mountain, not my favorite film, but it won an Oscar, and she's good in it. Rabbit Hole, which is friggin' brilliant. That was one of my favorite films of the year before last. Yep, good movie. Oh, so good. Uh, the Others, which is sort of like, you know, second-tier uh, uh, ghost movie. I mean, it's good. It's well done. Uh, very nicely uh, written and directed by Alejandro Amenabar, who I like a lot. And uh, Dogville, which I can't stand, but I know a lot of people love it, and it won uh, the Cannes Film Festival. So, uh, you know, go get your, uh, go get your friggin' l- 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 dogma on and Lars von Trier madness, but anyway, all four of those in one set from Lionsgate, the Nicole Kidman four film collection, and uh, oh gosh, you talk about that.
2: Well, Wade, we have uh, the, uh, the 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 self immolation of Cameron Crowe in his career continues apace with We Bought a Zoo. We Bought a Zoo is a very a uh, 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 cloying and cutesy, you know what? I I never thought I would ever see Matt Damon try to be so just. Just sincere. He's a dad and, uh, now. That's what it is. Yeah, it's just
1: he's a, he got he got bit by the fatherhood bug.
2: Uh, you know what? He just looks. It just looks. He's. It's just so unctuous. I just don't like seeing him in this mode. I don't, I don't think it's natural for I him. Agree. I don't think he's good in it. Uh, anyway, the movie's about uh, Matt Damon plays a uh, father of a couple kids, and they decide they need a change, so they uh, they uh, move into a zoo. Yeah, there's all well, sorts of crazy I, people it, in the zoo. Isn't this a, Scarlett Johansson?
1: Isn't this allegedly a true story? Uh, you know what? Every, I, time, I a movie imme- say, every know. time a
2: movie says based on a true story, you know it's a bunch of crap. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we bought a zoo uh, as on Blu-ray. It looks good. It's got three discs. Uh, one is the movie, which includes an audio commentary with um, Cameron Crowe. And the editor and some deleted scenes, a gag reel. But again, this is really you know what? It's it's for kids, I guess. It's for kids. It's not very good. I, I just I don't know what happened to Cameron Crow. He lost his edge. He he his his the humanity that he showed in his earlier films are now coming across as totally artificial. Lame. Uh speaking of lame <laughs> oh, hardly anything but uh, Way there was a movie. Stella, exactly. A streetcar named Desire is out in a beautiful, gorgeous, wonderful Blu-ray, a 60th anniversary Blu-ray from the good people at uh, Warner Brothers, who treat their they treat their classic films right. This movie was nominated for 12 Academy Awards, and uh, including Best Picture, won four. And uh, this is where Marlon Brando became uh Marlon Brando he became that method guy that just blew everybody away he was so the guy just exploded especially considering when you consider the, when you consider the actors who came before him
1: stop keep talking
2: when you can, when you consider the actors and the acting styles that came before him you realize how much Marlon Brando blew everybody away and was just a, just a smoldering sexuality and realism and just method Brilliance, and he was just absolutely—he uh, uh, he just blew people away back then in the fifties. Uh,
1: how the hell do women do this? Uh, put
2: how on how pearls? Do women... I, I don't know, but Jeez, the, but the, the, really there's a, there a very special woman who wore pearls, who we'll talk about in a minute. Anyway, uh, this is a great uh, this, is, this has got that uh, little digit, little book thing, little digit pack booky thing the, that they do with the uh, packaging, and it includes a uh, commentary by Carl Malden. Fantastic. Before he died. Before he died. There's a feature-length profile of Ilya Kazan which is terrific uh, even though I've always been a little bit uh, hot and cold on Ilya Kazan only because uh, we all know what Kazan did uh, during the blacklist and I've always been a little bit uh, conflicted about that. But anyway there's five documentaries in it. Uh, again the commentary. This is great stuff. It's a must-buy. Streetcar Named Desire uh, from the good folks at Warner Brothers. The transfer... Looks great. It has never looked better. It has never looked better, and uh, there's also a, a Blu-ray book.
1: We got some swag for our uh, our next title, which I am actually wearing now. Seriously, Mark, how do women wear these?
2: You're wearing uh, garters?
1: No, I'm I'm wearing a I'm wearing a pearl choker. Uh, it's also really not very comfortable. So I'm going to see if I can take this thing off. Jeez, seriously, man, makeup isn't bad enough, and high heels and you got to put this crap on
2: see uh, women do all of this just to uh just to uh, uh, uh appease men just to make men want them my all you gosh. Know, it's, you know what's funny is that i i want to be the guy who can show up to like a club you know like the hottest club in LA in jeans and a t-shirt Certain, like when handsome guys Ugh, show up to a club off. in jeans and a t-shirt they look like they're the hippest, coolest guys ever. You, you know, When you, I show up to a club with jeans and a T-shirt, they think I'm homeless.
1: You know how you know these are real pearls? Because uh, of that one right there. <laughs> It's like that's what that's one that got squashed in the in the artificial pearl machine. Oh my god! It's hysterical. Yeah. We're we're of course talking about a a phony pearl choker that they sent us in hopes that we would say nice things about the Blu-ray DVD combo pack of uh, the Iron Lady, which won, which won Meryl Streep her second Best Actress Oscar, her third Oscar overall, her first in like twenty years or something. Um, this movie's terrible. Y- you know what? Here's the thing. I think she's great in this movie. Yes. I don't think the movie is very good. I think the movie is is it would I think it would flop if not for her. And I think the actress who plays the young Margaret Thatcher is also very she's very good. good. She's good. She's very good too. But the movie doesn't really. It's not really anything other than just kind of a greatest hits look at the episodes from Margaret Thatcher's life That's that we all the know. Problem. It, it just
2: goes from big big event yeah. to big event. It
1: doesn't really give you much insight into who she was and what made her. It just really really feels like it has to kind of hit those beats. And I'm more interested in what happens between the beats, personally. But um, that being said, look, she's great. I mean, just as an acting clinic, if you want to kind of excuse the movie, and this was, by the way, uh, directed by her... um, Mamma Mia director Phyllida Lloyd who she is, is horribly really
2: untalented <laughs> I mean honestly uh, 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 Mamma Mia was so poorly directed it, I, I, yeah. I don't know where the camera was I, I mean uh, it just I just hated it
1: well anyway a lot of featurettes on here not much else but uh, again on, on Blu-ray it's uh, it, the nice thing about the Blu-ray is that it, you really see just how good the makeup work is which also won an Oscar I mean the makeup is just phenomenal and this is, this is, a, this is the makeup guy who's been with Meryl Streep for almost her whole career so ever since stage when she she started on stage. So there is a relationship between makeup artist and person, and you see how good it is in the Blu-ray. It really catches that uh, the essence of that.
2: So basically, The Iron Lady, which is a terrible film, yeah. won two Oscars. Yes.
1: But it, w- but it won kind of deserving Oscars. I mean, Best Actress and, uh, you know, the... Uh, the makeup uh, for the two people who've been working together forever. The Rank Collection is an ongoing release uh, series from VCI. These are, of course, all of the uh, the, rank, the great British rank films from the 1950s and 60s primarily uh, that VCI has licensed, and uh, they release a number of these every month, some obviously better than others. But uh, Carve Her Name with Pride is a surprisingly really good film that uh, features an incredible performance by an actress who's largely forgotten, Virginia McKenna. And uh, this was made in 1958. It is, uh, it's one of those really great kitchen sink realism, angry young men, English new wave films from uh, that particular period when Richard Lester and uh, Tony Richardson and a lot of others were really dominating the landscape. And uh, Lindsay Anderson, you know, making stuff like If. And so a lot of the films that weren't necessarily on the at the very peak of that movement didn't necessarily make it through. But this is a, a really good one, and it's kind of uh, got one leg in the previous generation. Uh, it's about a woman who volunteers to be part of the Special Operations Executive and uh, goes to, be, to work with the resistance in France. And um, it's uh, it's an unusually gritty film for 1958, uh, especially considering how kind of glorified those World War II films were. Okay. But it's, it's not a propaganda film, and it's uh, particularly uh, particularly moving, and uh, it's a true story. So that if you want to see what Virginia McKenna was all about back in the day, I don't know what happened to her as an actress, but she was terrific. And uh, also quite good is another film featuring Virginia McKenna, this one with Peter Finch, Um, called A Town Like Alice. This one is a little bit better known. This was made two years earlier in 1956. It's based on a Neville Shute novel called um, Moving Novel, oddly enough. And uh, this uh, is not as good as the uh, the other one, but uh, Virginia McKenna also incredible in the film, and uh, Peter Finch just absolutely magnetic. Um, this one is a little bit more of a traditional war film. takes place in uh, nineteen forty one in British Malaya, and uh, it's you know it, it, this is a little bit more uh, World War two boilerplate, but uh, really, really very, very good. Um, just in a traditional sense. But the, the interesting difference between the two films is just in, within two years how much the style of British filmmaking changed. And uh, so I would recommend both of these. Really, really good films.
2: Wade. Uh, Meg Ryan. There was a time when Meg Ryan was America's sweetheart and then we got sick of her. Because well she's horrible. She turned 40. And then she got plastic surgery. Someday. Uh, Kate Leopold... Is a uh, film from uh, you know it, it's, it was really a film from James Mangold, who of course would go on and do uh, Three Ten to Yuma, and a couple other terrific films. Walk the Line, I think, right? Did he, he did Walk the Line, didn't he? Yes, um, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Anyway, uh, uh, what's her name? Meg Ryan plays this executive who lives in New York, and she's you know she's uh, living the glass ceiling, cutthroat corporate, uh, whatever it's called. And uh, her boyfriend, played by uh, Liv Schreiber, opens up this portal in time, and she winds up going back to uh, 1867, where she meets um, Hugh Jackman.
1: This is the worst movie ever. It really is, is a, just, a horrible oh, film. I, <laughs> They're just blowing um, so this out on Blu-ray. Well, well, you know what I think is interesting? is that Look look at the cover of the two. It's, like, it's the standard romantic comedy... Uh, floating head. The, yeah, the, the floating heads. The, the, the big heads. Well, these they just are, have the genders reversed.
2: Well, these are uh, two Miramax uh, Blu-rays, of course, that are being released through Lionsgate. And the other one besides Kate Leopold, which is not very good, is Bounce with Ben Affleck and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> and... Um, Anyway, Ben Affleck is this uh, ad exec, and he's, uh, he, he loves the ladies, and he winds up with... Uh, who cares? <laughs> I mean, come on. Seriously, folks. I stop know. It. Just stop it.
1: We're going to wrap up with some uh, some old classics, some funky classics. Uh, the Warner Archive Collection, which you uh, is very hard to find online. I think I, Amazon is carrying a lot of these now, but you normally have to go to warnerarchive.com to find these titles. We got a couple of Jim Brown films. You know, Jim Brown was the man. He and uh, Fred Williamson and a few others, they were like, they really they held it down during the exploitation era. And uh, these are kind of more mainstream black exploitation films from the era, which means they were uh, studio films not necessarily independent. Um, this is – the first one here is The Slams, uh, which is a really interesting film because of who – well, first of all, it was produced by Roger Corman's brother, Gene Corman, um, for MGM at the time. It's now in the Warner Library as a result. But it's, it's actually a particularly gritty film – and Jim Brown, after his football career, turns out to be a surprisingly good actor. This is uh, 1973, and um, it's a bit of a, you know, a bit of a uh, kind of a heist crime thing. Um, but what's really interesting is who directed it. Mark, who directed it? Tell us who directed
2: <gasps> it. Jonathan Kaplan.
1: Jonathan Kaplan. What's Jonathan Kaplan doing now? He does He's television.
2: doing television.
1: Was doing a lot of television. Um, It also did a great film called Heart Like a Wheel back in the 80s. But uh, it got, you know, rave reviews for Bonnie Bedelia. Um, But the, uh, you know, Jonathan Kaplan really was, uh, I think, an incredibly underrated director at the time. And, uh, you you know, this look at at what it means to be a criminal, a convict, especially a a black man in the 1970s, and to kind of face a lot of those... uh, those, societal divisions and uh, obstacles. Um, Jim Brown captures a certain thing that is just, it's primal and it's moving and uh, he's a much better actor than anybody ever gave him credit for. I'm just saying, I'm still waiting for three the hard way to show up on DVD. I really am. Jim Brown and uh, Fred Williamson and uh, Jim Kelly, for crying out loud. Uh, The next film is Tick, 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 with ampersands between that. Uh, this is also a Jim Brown film, also starring George Kennedy and Frederick March. Boy, there's an interesting combo, isn't it? Uh, this is from uh, the late 1960s, 1968-69 time frame. Uh, not such a good film. This is a little bit more of a kind of a, a, almost an exploitation attempt to do something in the vein of uh, the, In the Heat of the Night. The director is Ralph Nelson, who was a much better director when he did Lilies of the Field and for whatever reason this just uh, the 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 whole you know Jim Brown plays a sheriff here and um it, i don't know it just doesn't feel quite right it doesn't the whole thing doesn't quite gel together, but um, still, I enjoyed Jim Brown in it. George Kennedy is appropriately hyperbolic. You can totally see why he wound up doing uh, Naked Gun movies, and um, you know it has a has a bit of a cult following. So, if you're a Jim Brown fan, I'd say uh, Tick 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 is strictly an also ran, but The Slams is a great movie.
2: So says you, wait. now. So uh, says I. Are we wrapping this thing up? We'll wrap this
1: up. Last two titles here real quickly. These are. This is from uh, Olive Films uh, through their their uh, release deal with Paramount. A couple of old Paramount films that uh, were going to slip between the cracks that they decided to pick up and get out there. Uh, one is a George Stevens film, of all things, called Something to Live For, which has a great cast. Joan Fontaine, Ray Milan, Teresa Wright. Um, kind of a forgotten melodrama. Should have been released properly long before it. This. this is from 1952. And... Uh, it's, um, it's 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 um, If you like The Lost Weekend, which Ray Land won an Oscar for, I think you'll really love this. And, of course, I always just love Joan Fontaine and Teresa Wright anyway. I can't get enough of, of either of them. And then the other one is No Man of Her Own, uh, starring Barbara Stanwyck and John Lund. You know, Barbara Stanwyck was sort of uh, the noir princess uh, for a long time. And uh, a lot of the films that she did just never really got their proper due. This is one of them from 1950. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, this is really one of those uh, classic, forgotten Barbara Stanwyck film noirs that if you're a film noir fan, this has got to be on your shelf. So definitely check that one out as well. Uh, no Man of Her Own, both of those from Olive Films uh, by way of an output deal with Paramount. And with that, Mark, we are done. So, uh, we're done? We're done. So do you, I, once again, what, what, what words of wisdom do you have for the online daters out there?
2: Oh, what have you learned this last week? die alone.
1: Mark, uh, for people who, who are out there using Match.com, using JDate, who are... <laughs> I feel your,
2: sad for you. Of, <laughs> I'm your competition.
1: Part of your community. What What's going on out there this week? What should they look for? Are they are here, they...
2: Here, Actually, you know what? Here's a piece of advice. Yes. When you're when you're looking for women online, Yes. and you know women, they, they have all sorts of photographs. Sure. You know, they have two, three, four, five yeah. photographs. The worst photograph is what they really look like.